Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning with verse number 16. Listen once again to the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always till the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have a baptism coming up in a couple of weeks, and a couple of other babies have indicated they also want to be baptized. It reminds me of Jack, little Jack, five-year-old Jack, who was baptized one Sunday morning. The service went splendidly. But on the way home, Jack sobbed and cried, and his father asked him, Jack, Jack, what's wrong? Why? Why are you crying? Nothing. Nothing. Come on, Jack, you can tell me. I'm your father. What's wrong? Well, Jack said. The preacher this morning said that she wanted me to live with a Christian family, but I would rather live with you guys. You never know what might happen when someone's been baptized. You never know what words might fall out of their mouth after someone has been immersed in the waters of grace. We are given a clue in this morning's scripture passage. The disciples have gone to a mountain in Galilee, the one that Jesus had directed them to. Please take note of that. They are on a what? A mountain. Where did Noah's ark come to rest? On a mountain. Where did Moses receive the Ten Commandments on a mountain? Where did Elijah defeat the prophets of Baal on a? Where did Jesus give us the Beatitudes on a? And where did Jesus, Peter, James, and John go when Jesus was transfigured on a mountain? When Matthew tells us that they have gone to a mountain, this is a cue to us to pay close attention. Whatever's coming up will be important, vital, holy. The 11 disciples are there. They're gathered around. And Jesus says those words that we hear usually when we're baptizing someone. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Baptize. Teach. And remember, I'm with you. An elder in my first church once said that, once said that when it comes to evangelism, Presbyterians can be counted on to bring one thing to the table, and that thing is restraint. 
And I suspect that's somewhat true. We are heirs of the Enlightenment. And as such, we have relegated the world of faith, any discussion about Jesus, talk, spirit, love, justice, to the private realm. And we are hesitant to talk about God, our faith in Jesus Christ, the meaning and purpose of the church, what value we find in our relationships with our brothers and sisters. We are hesitant to bring them into a conversation with our friends, our co-workers, our family. It reminds me of when Chesna and John and I had lunch over at Via Cadrano a few weeks ago. We were eating, my phone rang, it was Deb, I needed to take that call, so I excused myself, walked down the sidewalk a little bit, spoke with her, returned to the table, pulled up my chair, but it was the wrong table. There were two women sitting there, and I looked down at them, they looked up at me, and they said, well, please join us. And I said, thank you, I think I will. And I pulled up the chair, and I sat down, and I said, well, how's your day going today? How are you? And we chatted for a little bit, and then I said goodbye, and we went back over to the table with Chesna and John, and, and this, this, this was their position when I got, no, 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 Lord, no, 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 no. They looked exactly uh, the way I have seen Deb and Nathan on many, many, many occasions, like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. And, and that, that is sort of the stance that many of us Presbyterians have when it comes to Evangelism, evangelism. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about evangelism. Which is unfortunate. When I first saw Come From Away, it was in previews in Washington before it came to Broadway. I could not talk about it enough. I was just spellbound by that musical. And everyone I saw, I said, you have to go see this musical. It's fantastic. I never knew this about 9-11. Or when I've gone to a particularly good restaurant. Oh, you know, I, I, the food there was wonderful and the service was spectacular. Uh, you might want to try this out. Why is it that if it's a musical or a restaurant or a book or a movie, we say, yes, please, uh, this was important to me, it might be important to you, but when it comes to something to do with faith, we go, oh, no, 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 no. I am glad that Ben Milner never went, oh, no, 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 no. Ben was a classmate of mine in high school. From first grade through 12th, we were in class together. One Sunday evening, and when I was in the eighth grade, he knocked at our back door and I went to see him. Patrick, he said, I'm heading over to my youth group. Would you like to go with me? Ben was a member of the Methodist Church, just two doors down. My family and I, well, we went to church maybe two, maybe three times a year, maybe. And I said, um, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'll do that. So I changed clothes and went with Ben down to the MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship. And he explained to me the nature of their youth program and what they were about, how they were organized. They introduced me to their leaders, introduced me to their pastor. And there, some of the other youth there were my classmates, so I knew them. It, it was just a simple invitation. Now, Patrick, would you like to come with me to our youth group tonight? But I would maintain that Ben Milner, not even realizing it, was the best evangelist I have ever known. I have no doubt that he had not been there that evening to invite me to participate in the life of that youth group, that I would certainly not be here today. And I suspect I would not be involved in the life of any Christian congregation anywhere. 
Evangelism is a word teeming with all kinds of misunderstanding. But at its core, it simply means good news. And when we put it in action, it simply, as one of the trustees said this week during the trustee meeting, it's all about inviting people. Evangelism is simply an invitation. You know, I go to this church and we have a wonderful music program and the people are really warm. Would you like to join me one Sunday for worship? Uh, how, how about I stop by your apartment and we'll walk together and I'll sit with you during the service? Or on Thursday nights, my congregation has something called the open table. We feed people who are hungry. I enjoy participating in that. Would you like to come and join me one evening? Or we have something called the Samaritan's Closet, and we give away clothes to those who are in need of clothes. It's a vital ministry that we have that's impacting the lives of people in our community. Would you come and join with me in this? Or, you know, this afternoon we're having a fantastic Sam's concert, Mozart and Bach, and I think you would really enjoy it. If I get you a ticket, uh, could we sit together? That's evangelism in a nutshell. It's not about manipulation. It's not about coercion. It's not about sending people on a guilt trip. It's about experiencing something so important and moving in our lives that we cannot help but want to invite others to come and participate in that with us. One of the great lies of the church in our society today is if we just get the right leader, if we get the right preacher, if we get the right man to be our preacher who's 35 years old, has a wife and 3.2 children, we will grow. I've heard church after church after church say this, believing that if we just get a young pastor who's got energy and enthusiasm, our church will grow. It doesn't work. It has never worked. Churches grow when the members and guests reach out, and consistently saying, I'm experiencing something worthwhile here. You might want to come and join me. Would, would you like to do that? Church growth is something I'm fascinated by. I've been studying it many years, and every, quite frankly, every church that I've ever served has grown. It's not all about one person. It's about a congregation realizing, oh my God, It's that simple? To, to, to invite someone? It's, it's really that simple? It's about realizing that the good news is good news, not simply okay news. Our son Nathan visited me this past summer in July. He's doing research on Henry Sloan Coffin as part of his thesis project. And he and a few others on staff joined me for lunch one afternoon and Nathan worked three or four summers at a Methodist church camp, and he enjoyed having theological debates with his Methodist friends. And he claims that Methodists are, celebrate the okay news, but not really the good news. Now, I wasn't really sure what he meant by that, so this week I wrote to him and I said, Nathan, remember when you talked about the okay news and the good news, but what's the difference? And then he wrote back a 500-word essay entitled, A Short Refutation of the Armenian Heresy. 
I was amused, to say the least. But I think he was onto something. As followers of Jesus Christ, is it okay news? Eh, it's okay. God loves us. It's all right. Or is it really good news? God knows my name. God loves me. God knows our church. And through God's Spirit, God is doing wonderful things here in this community. Do you believe in the okay news or the good news? I am so glad that my friend Alex discovered that it is good news. Alex is a physician and he teaches at a medical university. And one Sunday, he and his family showed up at church, and three months later, I baptized him and his two children up on the chancel. He and his wife both have served on session, and they both sing in the choir. I think about my friend Cameron, who responded to someone's invitation to him and his wife. Hey, come and worship with us. And it was almost 10 years ago that in a celebration of my 25th ordination anniversary, that that congregation started live streaming the worship services. And I think of the difference that he made in the life of that congregation. I think of my friend Kathy, who has spent her life in nonprofit adventures, raising funds, and she was a whiz with administration, and she joined our church. I don't remember who invited her, but she became one of the co-leaders of our wellness ministry, and it's thriving to this day. I think about my friend Maura, who was a lawyer in Philadelphia, and her nickname, get this, Maura's nickname in Philadelphia in the legal community was the Rottweiler. But she joined my church outside of Philadelphia, and she joined that music team and that music team went from zero to 50, leading us in worship every Sunday. And it begins with just an invitation. Is it okay news or is it good news? With Advent coming up, Beverly alluded to this a moment ago, we have so much going on. Could you invite a friend of yours, a coworker, to come and worship with you? attend a concert, participate in the Advent Festival? Could you do that? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And all nations includes the Upper East Side. And it includes the Upper West Side. And it includes Midtown. And it includes your apartment building. And it includes your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. And you never know. You never know what might happen when someone is baptized. You never know what might, they might say. You never know how they might live when they've been immersed in the waters of grace. Is the name Will Willimon familiar to any of you? Will Willimon taught for many, many years at Duke University. He then became a bishop in Alabama in the Methodist Church. And now he's back retired at Duke University. Will Willimon has written between 50 and 60 books on Christian ministry. Even though he's Methodist, he is a strong Bardian. 
In one of his books, he writes about his days as a pastor in a congregation, and he said one year they decided they were going to focus on evangelism, and that's what they did. So one Sunday afternoon, members gathered at the church, and they were given their instructions to fan out to different areas of their city to invite people to come to church. Helen and Gladys were there. Helen and Gladys were going to invite people together. They were both in their 80s. They were given their instructions. Helen Gladys, go down Summit Drive and then turn to your right. Summit Drive to the right. Got it? Got it. Summit Drive to the right. And Helen and Gladys got in their car and they went down Summit Drive and they went to their left. And they began evangelizing people who lived in the projects the people they had not intended to touch that day. And when they gathered back at the church that afternoon and compared notes, they said, well, we had one person, her name is Verlene. And Verlene says she's going to come to church next Sunday. And Verlene did that. Two of her feral-looking children showed up at church that Sunday. And then she decided to go to the pastor's Bible study later that week. Helen and Gladys went and picked her up, and they gave her a copy of the Bible, her own copy of the Bible, and proudly she held this Bible as she went to her first Bible study, and she sat down, and Will Willimon that day was talking about temptation, the power of temptation. And he asked the group, have any of you ever struggled with temptation? And one woman said, well, yeah, I did. Uh, last week, when I was at the Piggly Wiggly, I got back to my car and I realized I had an extra loaf of bread that I had not paid for. And I thought, well, I could just take this loaf of bread home and, and nobody would ever care. But I didn't do that. I went back inside that Piggly Wiggly and I paid for it. And Willemine said, good, oh, good. Oh, yeah, that's resisting temptation. Uh, anyone else? And Berlin said, I've got something to share. And Berlin said, a couple of years ago, I was really hooked on crack. And you, what, you, you know what that stuff is like. It can be really, really bad. And my boyfriend, not the boyfriend I've got now, but the boyfriend who's the father of my oldest son, that boyfriend says to me one afternoon, let's go knock over that gas station. And I said, sure, let's go knock over that gas station. And that's what we did. It was easy as taking candy from a baby. We got all that free money. And then my boyfriend says, let's go knock over that 7-Eleven. And something inside me says, no, I'll rob a gas station, but I'm not going to rob a convenience store. And so I told my boyfriend, no. And he beat the out of me. But I still said no. I said I would not go and rob a convenience store. And it was the first time in my life that I ever said no to anything. It, it, it made me feel like I was somebody. And Willemann looked and said, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's temptation. Let us pray. And on the way out, Helen and Gladys ran up to Will Willemann and said, we can't wait till next week. Your Bible studies, they used to be boring. But we can get a crowd together for something like this. Willemont said he didn't know whether to laugh or to cry, but that church, by the grace of God, grew. 
and so too can you. Latest statistics tell us that worship attendance around our country is down 30 to 50% compared to pre-pandemic numbers. That's okay. You can make that difference. It's an invitation. The number one reason people get involved in the life of a church is because they were personally invited. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's Jesus' word to me and to you.